Okay, everyone, wonderful. Oops, let me just make a little amendment here. Like to be straight. Okay, hope this is all good. The night sheer, wonderful, hopefully wonderful part of my life sheer, continuation of last week's sheer, exciting topic. The Mashiachs, the two Mashiachs, Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David. Fascinating subject. Um, so tonight's class was dedicated by um, Rabbi Yossi and Reisha Galov. And this is an honor, an honor of their granddaughter. Haviyata Shabbat Bas Levana Bina Greenstein. And, to, and today she became 10 years old. So that's an awesome, awesome um, milestone. So may Hashem give her a good year. Um, Hashem should give you, Haviyata, a really good year. And you should grow up to be very, very, very special. First girl and then young lady and then woman. And bring a lot of light into this world. And a lot, a lot of nachas and satisfaction to your family on all levels. And your bubby tells me that you play Minecraft, which is all about building worlds. And that's what we're all here to do, to build, to build this world up for Mashiach. Building the third temple. May you have a big part in building the third base Amigdash and all your mitzvahs that you do and all the good deeds that you do. And uh, it should only be great. Lots of nachas to the Bubby and Zadie to the parents of this wonderful young lady. Mazel tov. And then there was another dedication tonight. And this is by Shimon and Yael Schuller. And this is for Rafur Shalema, for Avram Gershon ben Ilan. I should have a complete and total Rafur Shalema. Take it from Yad Mamish. Uh, amongst all the ill of the Jewish people, being that the subject is Mashiach. That's the time of healing and gone for, of illness forever and ever. Another dedication tonight was by Mrs. Bela Greenbaum. And this is the dedication for our shear, for all the other channel, the channels that the shear go out to. Um, and this is in honor of a dear friend of mine upon a second yard site, her husband, Rabbi Yaakov Greenbaum, Rabbi Yaakov ben Shmuel Yosef Oliver Shalom, whose yard site is going to be Tezvav Tevis, which is... Um, Pretty much later on, where does it come out? Today is already Yud, so I think Sunday, Monday. It's going to be his yard site, so may this be a big schus for his neshama, who is a dear friend of mine and a dear friend of Mayan. And may Hashem bless him with the greatest alias neshama. May he channel lots of light down. To you, Mrs. Greenbaum, to your entire mishpacha, to your uh, son and Eneklach uh, and their family, and only, only good nachas and wonderful things, and we should... Uh, See him over here, as a Hashem of Mamish, with the coming of Mashiach. That's the story. That's the story. Oh, we just gave a whole nice introduction. We gave a whole nice introduction. Mazel tov on your birthday. Better, better to sit on that side. The men are not coming tonight. We reserved it just for the for for, for these young ladies. So we gave a Mazel tov to Taviyata. Right? What's your name? Avatar. That's awesome. Okay, so you'll have to listen to the recording to get the whole part about your birthday. 
because there's a lot of people listening. Only good. That's awesome. Okay. And uh, we're ready to start this year. We're ready to start this year. It's a continuation to last week. So I'm not going to go over what we learned last week, but last week we were learned, certainly we were learning about the concepts of the Mashiachs. And we were learning that there's more than one Mashiach. Um, and uh, we connected in reading about Yehuda and Yosef and the meeting of Yehuda and Yosef and how these two powerful uh, people come together. Um, we spoke about the parsha. We spoke about the prophecy in the end of times that these two kingdoms will join forces together. I mentioned to you last week the Gemara Masech the Sukkah that discusses how Mashiach ben Yosef is supposed to precede Mashiach ben David and that there is a, some kind of a terrible... Uh, thing about Mashiach ben Yosef is that he's killed. And um, I mentioned last week, the Gemara says that when Mashiach ben David, the ultimate Mashiach, sees that when Mashiach ben Yosef died, um, he, gets, um, he, he, he gets scared. It doesn't say he gets scared. It says that when Hashem tells Mashiach, what do you want? Ask of me whatever you want, I will give you. Mashiach is so special that Hashem says to him, whatever you want, I will give you. And Mashiach says, when he, Mara says, when Mashiach sees that Mashiach ben Yosef died, he says, I'm not asking for anything else but for life. Chaim Sholom asks for life. And Hashem says, life, oh, that, that I've given to you already. Your grandfather already prophesied that that's what you would ask for. And he knew you already, your great, great grandfather, King David, David Amalek, he already asked for you on your behalf. Or he predicted that that's what you're going to ask. But no problem. I've given it to you. I've given it to you. So um, we want to, we were talking about this whole idea of Mashiach ben Yosef. Now, I mentioned last week, very important, that in Maimonides, when we talk about Mashiach from the halachic perspective, Maimonides doesn't mention anything, at least not in, in um, openly about Mashiach ben Yosef, which is really strange. Uh, it seems like Maimonides saw this as a midrashic element that doesn't necessarily have to come by or have to happen uh, in the in the in the re in the real um, material world. In other words, the ideas might play out in some kind of a spiritual realm, but it doesn't have to take place in the physical. This idea that there is a Mashiach ben Yosef, especially that he has to die and all this whole situation. Um, I mentioned last week from Sefer Amunei Svedeus, Reb Sadio Goyen who he himself writes that Mashiach ben Yosef is not a necessity, doesn't have to happen. We can skip over the entire stage, and if the Jewish people are worthy, we will go straight to Mashiach ben David. However, in Zohar and in Midrash, and in, uh, the concept of Mashiach ben Yosef seems to be a super, super essential core idea. So even if we're going to accept, and again, we accept halacha, what Ramam says, that we don't need Mashiach ben Yosef physically as a person appearing as an independent person, but the idea of Mashiach ben Yosef definitely stands, and he definitely stands as the precursor or the introductory en energy that, that precedes Mashiach and leads into Mashiach. Last week we mentioned that perhaps the two could be one person, and it could be two stages in the development of Mashiach Tzadkenu himself. That is to uh, bring us up to speed what we spoke about last week, and I brought a couple of sources to this idea of the concept of the Hisachtus, the Hisachtus, that's right, you thought that we were not, nothing is happening until uh, you never know. That's why you always have to make sure. <laughs> there were, the Mashiach ben Yosef's are here already before the Mashiach ben David's. 
<laughs> they came already. In any case, um, so um, the the. Uh, oh, by the way, I'm going to take this opportunity to announce to all those who listen online that the classes are up and running in Maya and back in person. So uh, we all can come and come here physically. It makes the class so much easier to give when there is some live audience and I'm not just talking into an empty room. But lately we've had just a few people trickle in and we need to increase and, uh, and fill the entire room till there's no more space and we spill over onto the street and we put up big megaphones outside and we put chairs outside. Uh, in any case, that's the plan. So I'm inviting everybody to come and partake in the class physically. Uh, that would be great. Now back to the class. So last week I mentioned that Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David, there's a concept called his achtus ben shneha Mashiachim, that the two Mashiachs unify and join together. Their energies flow into one individual. The concept I brought to you last week from the Zohar, and the Zohar is on this week's parsha. The Zohar is not in parsha's Vayechi. Uh, by the way, no, this week is part two of last week, but it has to have some connection to Vayechi. And it really does. Last week, the whole concept of the parsha was the unification of Yehuda and Yosef. That was last week. That was the content of the parsha. This week's parsha is Yaakov blessing his children. And in the blessing of his children, we again see that he highlights Yosef and Yehuda. Yehuda gets like the, the off the charts, the, the, the most powerful blessings. After he Yaakov deals some heavy, heavy rebuke to Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, until now, we don't have any blessings. So I mean, we have rebuke. And obviously, hidden in those rebukes are very great blessings. It's no question. But the revealed tangible blessings begin in Yehuda. So you see Yehuda opens up the blessing. But not only is he the opening, he's like the super powerful blessing. Yaakov goes on and on and on to bestow upon Yehuda the greatest blessing. And then later, you have a whole... The, most of the verses of Yaakov's blessings are spent on Yehuda and on, and on Yosef. The rest get very short verses. So you see that these are the two dynamic forces of the Jewish people, Yehud and Yosef. So that's the connection to this week's parasha. Anyway, in the parasha, it says explicitly, that Hashem will not remove the ruling power, the ruling staff from Yehuda, and a lawgiver from between his legs. And the Zohar says, this is a Zohar, not in Parshat Vayechi, it's a Zohar in Bereshis, I don't have it in front of me today, but I read it for you, I think, inside last week, where the Zohar states explicitly that Lo Shevet Yehuda, that's Mashiach ben David, um, and Mechoikit Mebein Raglov is a Mashiach ben Yosef. So you see clearly that even though Mashiach ben Yosef is sometimes called Mashiach ben Ephraim, he seems to have be a complete, a, a person who comes from Ephraim and has no relationship to David and to the, the Davidic kingdom. He's an independent entity that does certain jobs before Mashiach. He kind of paves the way for the, for the redemption, but he, and he's not like an extension of the, the, the kingdom of Yehuda. Yet the Zohar places Mashiach ben Yosef in the lap of Mashiach ben David because it puts them both in Shevet Yehuda when he's not even from Shevet Yehuda. He's from Shevet Yosef. He's from the tribe of Joseph. So there already is where we see that. Then I also brought you from the Arizal. I brought you a, a source from the Holy Ari where the Ari says, that when we say David when we pray that the throne of David Amelach should be placed in Jerusalem, we should have in mind that Mashiach ben Yosef shouldn't die. 
And that's what it means when it says, and that's the secret, Chaim Shalom requests, He requests life. Mashiach requests life is the secret that Mashiach ben Yosef is supposed to die. We should die that Mashiach ben Yosef shouldn't die. So first of all, already you see over here that it doesn't have to be that Mashiach ben Yosef will die because we should pray that he shouldn't have to pass away. That's number one. But the other interesting thing is that where do we pray for Mashiach ben Yosef not dying in the Saint David in the, in the throne of David, which means that Mashiach ben Yosef is almost like an extension or part of Mashiach ben David, not a complete separate entity. Um, and the Pasuk that the Gemara says, and it's clear that the Pasuk is referring to Mashiach ben David's prayer, Chaim Shalom is asking for you for life, uh, the Zohar, the, 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 the Arizal says, Chaim Shalom that's, that's Mashiach, that we should daven that Mashiach ben Yosef should daven. But hold it, didn't he say that that's Mashiach ben David praying for life? But if we will say that Mashiach ben David and Mashiach ben Yosef is the same person, and it's two stages, and the prayer is that we shouldn't have an interruption between the two, and we should easily move and transition from the Mashiach ben Yosef period to the Mashiach ben David period, then we understand that uh, it can refer to both. It's Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David, as we shall soon further develop. This is an interesting thing. Last week I quote, I told you a teaching from the, another teaching from the Ari, but I didn't look it up inside because I couldn't find it. But today I find I found it. I researched, I found it. So thanks to Hebrewbooks.com. So here it is in Makute Hashas from the Arizal. Uh, it's if you can take a look at it, it's a very old print. I was printed it out with the old book and an old print. And over here it says da. It was hard for me. I spent quite a, while, a long time looking to find it because it mentions that it's a Masechta Sanhedrin. And when you look in Lakute Hashas from the Ari, you can't find Masechta Sanhedrin. It's kind of camouflage between two. So it took me a while, but Baruch Hashem, Hashem helped. I was able to find it. It says over here, Dam, you should know. Kimasha Omar Razal, this that the sages say, that God wanted to make Chizkiyahu Amelech. He was a king of David. From the, he was one of the Malche Yehuda. He's one of the kings of Yehuda. This is after the split already, when the Joseph kings, when the Malchai Yisrael and the northern kingdom split already, the kings of the ten tribes. And he's a king only, so he's definitely, he's one of the descendants of David Amelech. Hashem wanted to make him Mashiach. He says, Zahu Mashiach ben Yosef. It doesn't mean that Hashem wanted to make him Mashiach ben David. Hashem wanted to make him Mashiach ben Yosef. V'loi Mashiach ben David. He emphasizes so strong, and not Mashiach ben David. Merab Chaim Vital. So meaning he's this is what it says. Our Chaim Vital, the student of the Ari, must have heard it from the Ari. So hold it. We're talking about Chizkiyo Amelech. He's not a, he's not from Yosef. He's from he's 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 a, he's a king of the David kings. And yet we say Mashiach Ben Yosef. Now obviously, if he would be called Mashiach Ben Yosef, as I mentioned last week, he probably is a grandson from Yosef too. Somehow. Well, it's not too hard to understand that because there was so much intermarriage going on between the tribes. You, it's not hard to find that someone who's a grandson and you're going to get the seed of Yosef. He can be both. But obviously, when we're referring to him as Mashiach ben Yosef, it means that the quality of Yosef, we're talking about the quality of Yosef's neshama, the quality of Yosef's soul is the dominating force. And that's what the Mashiach in him is made out of. In other words, the Mashiach is not just you know, it's not just a, it's, it's an energy, it's a power. 
And the question is, is when we say Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David, Mashiach descendant of Yosef, Mashiach descendant of David, we're talking about a different dynamic, a different power, a different force. So Mashiach ben Yosef is a quality, has the qualities of Yosef and not the qualities of Yehuda. So if he's going to act as Mashiach ben Yosef, it means he's going to do the certain functions that he has to do as an inheritor of the qualities of Yosef. But he could be a person who is from David. Okay. If you really, really, really want to find some more support to this idea, here goes the Ben Yehoyada. Who's the Ben Yehoyada? He was the great rabbi of Baghdad. He was the, known as the Ben Ishchai. Okay, the great Sephardic Kabbalist and super, super, super tzaddik. So he, this is on his commentary in um, Sanhedrin, Dav Tzaddik Ches, uh, page 98. So there the Gemara lists a whole bunch of people who claim that they were Mashiach. This one said, I'm Mashiach. If, 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 he said, it, it, it says, if it's from the living, it's going to be me. Some, some rabbi said, if, if it's from the living, it's going to be Rabbeinu HaKadosh, it's going to be our Rabbi. Reb Nachman, most of them were, were saying it's their Rebbe's, their teacher. Reb Nachman said, if it's from the living, it's me. Or he didn't say it's me, he said someone like me. So the Ben Yayada says, and he brings a passing, that his powerful one will be from him. So he says, look at this. It, it appears to me um, that they had a Kabbalah, they had a tradition. That in every generation there will come a spark of Mashiach Ben Yosef. And a, a certain tzaddik of the generation will have the spark of Mashiach Ben Yosef. Remember, we've discussed this many times that there is a spark of Mashiach in every generation. And that's the Mashiach of the generation. It has to be that way. Because if the Jewish people do tshuva, and tshuva is always a possibility, Mashiach has to be able to come at the drop of the hat immediately. So there has to be someone ready. So in every generation, there is a Mashiach. Um, and so that would be referred to as a spark of Mashiach, because the spark can become a massive flame, a massive blaze, if we will fan the flames. What will it take to, flam to fan the flames? If all the Jewish people, if we do tshuva, then we fan the flame of that spark and, and that person turns into the full-fledged Mashiach, not just the potential Mashiach, but he becomes the actualized Mashiach. But that's regarding Mashiach ben Yosef. He's, I'm sorry, Mashiach ben David. He says that there is a spark of Mashiach ben Yosef in every generation, and it is in a tzaddik of the generation. Like the sages say, I'm Moshe Rabbeinu. And in every generation, there is a spark of Moshe Rabbeinu in the Tzadik Hador. The, 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 the great uh, righteous man of the generation has Moshe Rabbeinu energy in him. And that energy, he, he connects to the Jewish people and leads us and nurtures us with faith and so on and so forth. Anyways, okay. I'm not going to get into all that he says over here. Then he brings that the Ari, how do you like that? The Holy Arizal. He was a nitzutz of Mashiach ben Yosef. That's why I told you last week that Reb Chaim Vital says that our teacher told us to daven that Mashiach ben Yosef shouldn't die. And sadly, we didn't listen to him and he did pass away. Meaning the spark of Mashiach ben Yosef of that generation passed away because the Ari, the Holy Ari passed away. 
right? So he brings it over here that he was that he was in, he, that he was one of those spies, and he brings it there. Now he says, Moshiach ben Yosef is called Kisei David. He's called the throne of David. Now watch this. Now he connects that that spark of Mashiach ben Yosef, who's going to be in every generation, in the Tzadik Shabedor, that's in the Tzadik of the generation, So he says literally what we were saying before, that this is going to come to a Tzadik who is from the descendants of David. The, the, so he says explicitly, so I don't have to be a responsibility anymore of him. The Benish Chai says, that the spark of Mashiach ben Yosef is going to be in a tzaddik who traces his lineage to David. So you see the connection of the two. He say David. That's why we refer to Mashiach ben Yosef, the throne of David, because he is from David. And what's Rav Nachman's chiddush? Rav Nachman says that the 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 Mashiach, the, the, the descendant of David who can carry Moshiach ben Yosef's energy, it has to be related to David because he's Kisei David, he's the throne of David. But he doesn't have to be a direct descendant of David, he can be connected to David via marriage. You see, Remachman was not a great grandson of David. He married a princess from David. I mean, he married a girl who was a uh, from the from the from the royal blood of David Amelech. The David Mamish. It doesn't have to be literally David. That's why he says, like me. I'm also good. I also qualify. Because even if I'm not, I'm a son-in-law. <laughs> I, I I connect through my wife. Only my wife, Bas Resh Kalisa, she is the head of the Jew, the head of the exile. He was a son-in-law of the person who was known as the Resh Galusa, which, by the way, I'm having flashes of light uh, flashing in my head right now because these are things which I wasn't going to say. This is really cool because we're going to hold this to the end. We're going to see. I'm going to give you a little nugget right now that, that, that the power of Yosef, and we learned about this Thursday night, for those who follow the Thursday night class, we learned that we're going to speak about that soon, that the main avoda of Yosef is to sustain the Jewish people during the time of exile and to bring us to the finish line, to carry us through the exile and to rectify all the darkness and to bring us to the exile. Moshiach, Yosef's job is not the giula, it's not the redemption or not the post-redemption. It's to help us make it to the redemption. That's what, and, he, and, he, and he also starts the process of the redemption. Okay, um, so now we understand an interesting thing. We say that the, the Mashiach ben Yosef could be a son-in-law of the Reish Galusa. What's the Reish Galusa? Reish Galusa is the person who's actually in charge of the diaspora. That's what it means. Reish Galusa means, because there was a certain time that the Jewish people were divided in two groups not the 10 tribes and the, that happened earlier. I'm talking about even at a later time. After the destruction of the second temple, in Talmudic times, Jews were divided into two groups. There were the Jews who still lived in Israel and they were under the leadership of the Nasi, the Nasi of, of Eretz Yisrael, that was called the Nasi, the prince. And the second leader is the Reish Galusa. 
He's the head of the diaspora, mainly the Jews who lived in Babylonia or in Persia. And this Rej Galusa was given certain um, 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 authoritative powers by whichever government it was that the Jews were under. He was placed to be as the minister of the Jews. He was almost given like a position of a king, but obviously subservient to whichever foreign country the Jews were under. And this, this um, system lasted for quite a while. There, was a, there, were two, so there were two leaders of the Jewish people, Rej Galusa, and it's hinted to again in Yaakov's blessings this week. In Yaakov's blessings, when it says, La Yasser Shevet mi Yehuda, mi Bein Ragla, so the Shevet, the ruling power, actually, according to, I think it's a Gemara, the ruling power is referring to the Rej Galusa, because he's actually a king. He's not a full fledged king, but he has authority to, to govern and even to to uh, uh, administer punishments and so on and so forth, because he has certain, um, 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 given certain powers, sovereignty powers. And then Michaikek, a lawgiver, is the, 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 the leader of the Jewish people in Israel during the time of exile. He's, he's a lawgiver. So he, again, referring to these two powers, Rabbi Nachman over here, so the Ben Yehuda says, he was a son-in-law of the Reish Galus. So he says, so my connection to the Davidic lineage, to the Davidic line, is good enough that I can be the Mashiach ben Yosef. And therefore, I can serve as Kisei David, as the throne of David. So it's an interesting interpretation. When he says, I am the Mashiach, he didn't mean the Mashiach, the final Mashiach. He meant the leader up to Mashiach, the Mashiach ben Yosef. Now, we're going to take this Obviously, I mean, further than what it says over here. I'm just using this as a as a bouncing board to the idea that the two of them are not distant. We're building the idea that the two energies converge together, and they might even be one person with two with two. Because again, there was no halachos regarding Moshiach ben Yosef or Moshiach ben David. The Ramam himself says that most of the aspects regarding the redemption are very vague and they can come around many different ways. It doesn't have to be one way versus the other. There's always there's a gazillion possibilities of how things can materialize and how it can happen. So once we know that, besides what the Ramam says as absolutes, that's halacha, that's one thing. But anything that's not that could, could come in various different ways. So I'm just building the theme and the idea that Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David are not two separate, complete individuals, but they could be pretty related. And what we have over here, first over here, we have from the Zohar that it seems like it's the same lineage. We have from uh, from the Ben Ishchai and from the Arizal that the Chisei David. So you see, it's it's really it's really one and what very connected. And how can he be considered from the descendants of David? Because a husband is like a wife. A wife is like a husband, and they become one flesh. So in that sense, they join together and they become one. Okay, so very interesting. Anybody that wants to look it up can look it up. Sanhedrin, Ches, Okay. Now, to further this powerful idea, I bring to you Rav Tzadik HaKoyen from Lublin. In his Sefer, Poiked Akorim, there's many, many writings from the great Reb Tzadik, from the great, great Bali Machshava of Hasidus. And he writes over here how um, the Mashiach ben Yosef's main job 
is to pave the is to pave the way for Mashiach ben David, and to eradicate the evil, to fight the darkness in this world. Because we know the antithesis. One of the interesting things is the antithesis to Amalek is Yosef. That's why it says that Yaakov waited until Yosef was born before he went back home. Right when Jacob, when Yaakov was in uh, was in the house of Lavan. He waited. He had already many tribes, but he kept on waiting. And when Yosef was born, he says to his father-in-law, I think I'm going to leave. His father-in-law then said, eh, you shouldn't leave yet. He liked him because he, well, as long as he was, he didn't like him, but he liked the blessings that were coming through him. And he said, you know, maybe hang out longer. You know, he didn't get reward. He wanted to cheat him. He wanted to continue draining and, and, and manipulating him and, 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 uh, and uh, usurping his energy. That's what he really wanted. But Yaakov, uh, now the question is why, it, and the Pusik, the verse states it explicitly. When Yosef was born, that's when Yaakov says, let me go back home. Why? So I think Rashi says it even. I think, yeah, Rashi, I think, brings it. I'm almost sure that Rashi brings it. Rashi says, because who was Yaakov afraid? Why did he run to Lovin's house? He ran away from Esau. And now on the way back, he's going to have to contend with Esau. The power to defeat Esau is Yosef. Because the Pasuk says, Yaakov is a fire. Esau is, is compared to Shkla. Yaakov is a fire. Now fire and Shkla, if you have a fire and the other guy's got the straw, if you're coming with the fire and he's coming with the straw, there's not much to worry about because you're definitely going to beat him. And you burn the, the fire burns the straw. But there's one problem. If your fire is inside and the straw is outside, you need to have a spot. You need to have a flame. The fire has to leap out to go and hit to be able to ignite the straw. Who takes Yaakov's fire and turns it into a major inferno to cause it into a ginormous flame to burn down the the great straw of your of Aish of 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 Esau Esau Esau's um, straw. Who does that? Yosef is that flame. In other words, Yosef is the ability to take Yaakov out to the outside. Yaakov himself remain his energy remains inside. In the inner inner recesses of holiness, deep, deep, deep inward. So you can't burn the klipa that's outside if the fire is only in the inside. You got to bring the fire to the outside. For example, if you have very great tzaddikim who serve God in their inner inner consciousness, in their inner inner depth, in their inner soul, Mashiach can't come. The reason Mashiach can't come is because. For Mashiach to come, all the klipa, all the unholiness needs to be eradicated. Where? On the outside, on the surface. And therefore, just Kedusha in the inside will not do it. You need people that will take holiness onto the street. And that's how you can destroy the klipas that are outside, the, 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 the impurity that's outside on the street. And that's the energy of you. Like you see in the story, where did Yosef take Yaakov? Yosef takes Yaakov's energy down to Mitzrayim. This week's parsha. Yaakov is a holy tzaddik. Where is he living in the holy land? What does Yosef do? He, he transports Yaakov to Egypt. And Yaakov sets up shop in Egypt. And Yaakov is just as bright as in, in Egypt as he was in Eretz Yisrael. But who took him there? Who illuminated Egypt with that incredible light? It was Yosef. 
So Yosef, therefore, is the antithesis to Esav, and primarily to which part of Esav? To Amalek. Amalek is the core klipa of Esav that is the ultimate antithesis to God. And this is the quintessence of evil that needs to be destroyed before Mashiach comes, Amalek needs to be eradicated. Ein Hashem Sholem, Ein Akisei Sholem. The Eberster's name and the Eberster's throne is not complete until Amalek is destroyed. And there, the, 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 the Medrash tells us that God, that it is a Kabbalah, there is an inheritance, a, 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 um, a tradition that what? That Amalek is not destroyed only in the hands of the descendants of Yosef. And that's why you see that when Moshe waged the first battle against Amalek, who did he send out to lead the Jewish people? In battle, he chose his student, Joshua, Yeshua. Why? Yeshua comes from Ephraim. He comes from the tribe of Yosef. And that's why only he has the power to be able to fight. And a little bit in the powers are in the power of Binyamin as well. In other words, it has to be the descendants of Rachel, of Rachel. Rachel has that power, the descendants of Rachel. So either Yosef or Binyamin. That's why Shaul, King Saul, who was the second chance to go defeat Amalek, he is a descendant of Binyamin. Again, not from the tribe of Yehuda, the tribe of Binyamin. Who's the next one? Mordechai. And Mordechai is Ishyamini. He's from the tribe of Binyamin. Again, it's all the Yos Yosefic, you can call it, the Joseph power. And that's all being traveling. So to fight Amalek, you need... And that's... And that's the job, one of the jobs of Mashiach ben Yosef, the waging of wars. That's why I'm going to tell you where I am going with all of this. The period of time that Mashiach ben David fights the wars of God in this world, that's when he is then imbued with the power of Yosef, not the power of David. The power of David, even though David himself was a warrior, but the real aspect of Mashiach ben David is not the waging of wars. It's the revelation of God's kingdom, the ultimate kingdom of God, not the overpowering of evil, which is primarily the power of Amalek. That is all the power of Yosef. So even Mashiach Tzavkenu, during his initial uh, stint, if you can say, in this world, his initial uh, work in this world, which the Rambam refers to as Becheskas Mashiach, when Mashiach is just in the state of Chazaka, he's the presumed Mashiach, that period of time, he is energized by the energy of Yosef. But anyways, we'll get to that soon. But for now, back to Rav Tzadik. So Rav Tzadik says that uh, Mashiach ben Yosef is the one who destroys Zera Amalek. She Legam, okay? And that's why he eradicates the Yitzhahara. He says an interesting, remember last week we said that there was a big funeral. It's going to be that the, the, the Gemara talks about this massive funeral and everybody's going to mourn the man individually, the woman individually. And the Gemara asks who died. And the Gemara offers two possibilities. Either Mashiach ben Yosef's funeral or the Yitzhahara's funeral. And it seems like strange that it's either him or him. It's either the super great or the super low. And Rav Tzaddik says it's one thing. Because Mashiach ben Yosef needs to sacrifice his very existence in order to kill the Yetzirah. In other words, to defeat Amalek and all the power of satanic force in this world, to destroy it and eliminate it completely, you have to be willing to die. And Mashiach ben Yosef is the one who goes in fire. 
he takes it to the very end. And Mashiach Yossi dies, means he volunteers to go all the way to the end to sacrifice his life, to give himself up in that battle to the very end, the ultimate power of Mesiris Nefesh. And in his and in his death, he it's almost like Shimshon Hagibor, Shimshon the Samsonite. Uh, 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 he, what he did was he he, he said the, the Philistines will die with me. He, he he shook the beam and he killed himself with them. So to take down the Eight Sahara completely, Mashiach Ben Yosef is the one who does that. So he dies. So that's why both happen at the same time. It's the funeral of Mashiach Ben Yosef and it's the funeral of Mashiach of, of the Eight Sahara because that's the eradication at that point. Now. Watch this. He says, And who is the first of the soul of Mashiach ben Yosef that comes down into this world to pave the way for Mashiach ben David? It appears to me, says Rav Tzadik, that's a good enough for us to say it's for sure, if he says it appears. Yonasan, the son of Shol, King Saul's son, he is the first spark of Mashiach ben Yosef in this world. And watch this. That's why he was killed. He died together with his father. Yonasan died. They, they shot arrows at him and he was killed. He never had any sin in his life. In his life. He was the biggest tzaddik. He died because Mashiach ben Yosef died. So the, it seems according to this that Mashiach ben Yosef is a process that happens through the generations. And it involves many deaths of tzaddikim who die in this battle. Including who? Yonasan ben David. And watch this. That's why he loves David with such, a, with such a boundless love. As we know that King Saul wants to kill David and Yonasan makes the whole trick. He protects him and he loves him like incredible love. Why? Watch these words. They are the secret of the unity of Moshiach ben Yosef and Moshiach ben David. That's the ultimate unity. Fusion of the two. Here are these words, what I wanted to say. They will be trained, they will be two friends, the loin that never separate. Moshiach ben Yosef and Moshiach ben David are two, two, two buddies or two, two they're on, you can't untangle them. The two of them are, are attached to each other. And the, like you see, the first incarnation of that was Yonasan and David. David obviously is the Mashiach ben David, and Yonasan is the Mashiach ben Yosef. And together they merge. Okay, and that's what he says is hinted to him when we spoke last week about Hashem telling Yecheskel and all, he take the two sticks and put them together and merge these staffs together, Yehuda and Yosef. Anyways, this is the story. This is this is the Revzadik Akoyim. There is another Sefer. And that Sefer is called There's a Sefer called Tana Deve Elio. Okay? It's a Sefer uh, given to us by Elio Wanavi. Okay? Now, there is a Pirish on that Sefer by Reb Shmuel of Shinova. He was one of, he was a Hasidic Rebbe in Galicia. He was a student of the Chayza from Lublin. He was a student of Reb Bunim of Pshischa. He, he was a Rebbe. He was a great Rebbe. And he wrote a Pirish on Tanah called Remasayim Sofim. 
That's the name of the Sefer. Last week I made a big order of Hasidic books. And this was one of the books I ordered because I read this the week before. And I said, I got to have the book here just because it needs to be here. Even though maybe it's the only passage I'm ever going to read over there. Maybe when Mashiach will come, we'll read more passages. But this is, I, I, I got excited that we need the whole book over here. In any case, what does he say? He says these words. These are quotes from his Sefer. Ki atrein hem echod. The two Mashiachs are one. He pretty much states that he's, I, I was inching it together, bringing it together and together and together until, until in his Sefer, he says they're one the same person. They're not two people. They're one entity. Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach. So now we'll be a little better understanding why the Rambam doesn't talk about explicitly Moshiach ben, ben Yosef. Because um, the Rambam does. When the Rambam talks about two phases in Moshiach, even though it's, uh, the, he doesn't explicitly call it Moshiach ben, ben, ben David, Ben Yosef, it's uh, very, very, it makes, it makes perfect sense, especially according to what we're still going to share with you today some amazing sources of what, what Yosef's energy and contribution in this whole Geula is, you see literally that's the job of Mecheskas Mashiach. That's the uh, initial work of Mashiach in his preliminary stages. Okay. So um, let, let me share with you another nugget regarding this. Now, by the way, a lot of, uh, most of what I'm telling you today, I didn't come up with all of this. Uh, there is a fellow by the name of Reb Shalom Dovber Volpe. He's a huge scholar and rabbi in Eretz Yisrael. He wrote a sefer, a couple of svarim, and in one of these svarim he discusses this idea of Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David, uh, and he brings all these sources. I didn't find them myself. Maybe a nugget over here and a nugget over there I came across, but mainly it's all him, so I don't want to take credit. But you can read it all in a sefer, but most people are not going to sit down and read all these things, so I'm trying to bring it to you over here. I read this 30 years ago and I was blown, blew my mind. And then it was sitting in the corner for, for all this time. And now I think the time has come because the time has come, the klipa, I, I want to mention something. To me, it's clear that the unholy is throwing every punch it can right now just for its last bit of survival. So we're watching a lot of darkness in the world and it's nothing. It's empty darkness that's just making us a dust storm. That's what's going to happen. Mashiach is going to appear any second. And all this dust is just going to disappear like nothing. Like we spoke about the the, 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 the the straw, and it's all over the place. And the moment you turn on the news, that's all you're seeing is this debris. It's this, this nothing, this emptiness. It's all a bunch of bluff and a bunch of lies and a bunch of sheker. And it's nonstop to the fact that everybody's buying into this bunch of lies. And it's really scary, but that's the situation. Well, we shouldn't be scared because we know Mashiach is here. And therefore, I feel... That if Klippa is shooting everything, Kedusha has to shoot everything as well. And therefore, stuff that maybe we say under the table, we say it under the, because we're not comfortable saying it loud, because we're not, whatever. Now's the time not to hide anything. There's nothing to be afraid of. Now's the time to reveal. And, 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 and there's some powerful, important ideas that we need to know about certain things. And then it, like, it opens up our eyes and say, hey, we are actually living in the most amazing times. And we are already living after the time of Mashiach ben Yosef, and we're already in the Mashiach ben David period. That's what's awesome over here, that we don't have to go through this death element and this darkness because we were already in Mashiach ben Yosef's era, Mashiach ben David's era. Well, let's get to that. So one of the interesting things about Maimonides, the Rambam, the Rambam speaks about Rabbi Akiva and Bar Kochva. 
So the Rambam in, in, the, in the Laws of Kings, chapter 12, the Rambam mentions over there that Rabbi Akiva was sure that Bar Kochva was Mashiach. And the Jerusalem Talmud says that Rabbi Akiva went around, literally campaigned through all the Jewish communities, and he announced, Dein Malka Mashiach, this is Mashiach. And he tried to get the Jews to follow Bar Kochva. The Rambam says that all the other rabbis, many, the Rambam says many of the Chachamim of the generation believed Rabbi Akiva. Not everybody, but mainly of them believed Rabbi Akiva. Now, um, one of the things is that we're, there was, a, there was a, another tzaddik at, that, at those times, another great rabbi. His name was, let me tell you what his name was. Um, Rabbi Yochanan ben Turta. So when Rabbi Akiva was running around saying that Bar Kochva, who was a great Jewish general, is Mashiach, um, this, this Rabbi Yochanan ben Turta says to Rabbi Akiva, Akiva, this is what he refers to him, Akiva, Yalu asavim bilchayecha vadayim ben David loyba. He was one of like the chief pessimists. This, 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 this Yevim, you know, you see me pessimist, but he was a sage, so you couldn't say just that. He said, "Here is going to grow out of your of your cheeks, not here." He says, "A grass is going to grow from your cheeks, and Mashiach is not coming yet." Now, in a sense, he was right, right? Because Rabbi Kiva was killed 2,000 years ago. And when he meant grass will come out from your cheeks, means you can, even after you're buried and grass is going to grow out from the place that you were buried, Mashiach still won't be. So you're getting like a little overly excited about this whole Mashiach thing. Relax, calm down. That's the simple meaning. But what really, what, what's going on of it? What is he saying? Is he, is he, you have to insult Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says he's Mashiach. You don't like it. Say he's not Mashiach. No? Wouldn't that be a nicer way of saying it? Rabbi Akiva says, he's Mashiach. Yeah, Rabbi Yochanan ben Turtle should say, Rabbi Akiva is not Mashiach. He doesn't say that. He says, Yalu asavim let let, 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 grass grow out of your cheeks. Um, and vadayan ben David loibar, but David is still not come. It's also interesting, why does he refer to him as ben David? Rabbi Akiva never referred to Bar Kochva as ben David. Rabbi Akiva referred to as Bar Kochva as what? Mashiach. He said, Dein Malka Mashiach. This is Ben Mashiach. So he should have said, Love Dein Malka Mashiach. He is not Mashiach. He doesn't say that. Love Ben Dub. So Reb Volpa, this is his own Kiddush. He wants to make the argument, which is really cool and it really fits. His idea that he wants to say, and I, and I, I, I accept it because it makes a lot of sense and he brings a lot of sources, that Akiva is known as Akiva Ben Yosef. That's, he, he was, a, his father's name was Yosef. And not only that, um, in Shalah HaKadosh, he says, the holy Shalah, okay, so the Shalah doesn't need our uh, certification. The Shalah HaKadosh, great 17th century Kabbalist, one of the greatest Kabbalists that there are, says, V'shamati miktas mekubolim, in Parshas Vayeshev, I heard from some mekubolim, Rabbi Akiva was actually a reincarnation of Yosef. We know the 10 tribes were reincarnated in the 10 tzaddikim that were killed. The 10 martyrs who were killed in such a savage way by the Romans. 
Rabbi Akiva was the one representing Yosef. Because according to some opinions, Yosef also did a sin in his own sale. Because he provoked the envy and the jealousy. So he also needed atonement. And Akiva, Ben Yosef, was his incarnation. Yosef coming down and, 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 and dying for the rectification of this, of this sin. Now, obviously, Bar Kokhba was a... The reason Rabbi Akiva said Bar Kokhba is Mashiach is Bar Kokhba was a descendant of David. Of David. So he had the potential of being Moshiach. Now some people want to learn. It was a terrible mistake. Bar Kokhba was not at all Moshiach. Rabbi Akiva was so frustrated with the exile and he saw, you know, he had a hope and he was excited. And obviously it's a silly argument because Rabbi Akiva is Rabbi Akiva. He has eyes that can see throughout all the worlds and through all levels of existence. Rabbi Akiva doesn't make no silly mistakes. But if those who need certification, because you don't believe me, you don't have to believe me. I also don't believe anybody. I check everything up. So I certify. So I look this up. There is a safer Kabbalistic interpretation on the safer Rus, on Ruth. This is safer a Pirish on Rus, written by Rabbi Vadya Bartanura. Everybody should know Bartanura is not just a, 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 a wine. Uh, Bartanura is a there was is a town, and there was a great sage called Rabbi Avadya from Bartanura, and, and he's from that city of Bartanura, and he wrote a Pirish on all of Mishnah. Everybody uses his Pirish. He's the main um, commentary on Mishnah. But in addition to him writing a commentary on Mishnah, which makes him a great Talmudist, he was also a great Kabbalist. And he wrote a Pirish, according to Kabbalah, in, on Sefer Rus. You can find it on HebrewBooks.com. That's where I found it. And in the middle of it, he talks about Bar Kokhba. And he says Bar Kokhba was, for sure, without a question, the potential Mashiach. He had it within. The generation was not worthy. Had the generation been worthy, he would have been Mashiach. Now, if he would have been Mashiach, means he had it in him. He had that spark. So he is who? Mashiach ben David. Rabbi Akiva is who has the spark of Yosef. Right? And in order for Mashiach to come, there needs to be a joining of forces of Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. That's why from all the rabbis who went crazy to go and to risk everything and follow Bar Kokhva and proclaim that Bar Kokhva is Mashiach, who did that? Rabbi Akiva. Because Rabbi Akiva is Akiva ben Yosef. Another one, the Rebbe's father, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak. He says, Rabbi Akiva is the energy of Yesod, as we assume in the sea, Bechinas Yesod, Shmoy Akiva, whatever. There's an Akita Torah la'arizal. This week, Yaakov benches Yosef. And he says, Me a day from the hands, Abir Yaakov. Abir Yaakov, the mighty one of Yaakov. So the Arizal says that the words Abir Aleph Beis Yud Reish, Yaakov spell the words Rabbi Akiva. So when Yaakov is blessing Yosef, he's blessing Yosef with Rabbi Akiva. Pretty awesome blessing because Rabbi Akiva was the one with the entire Torah Shemalpeh we have today is Rabbi Akiva. In any case, 
That now, Rebbe. Now, what does Mashiach Ben Yosef's role? What is Mashiach Ben Yosef supposed to do? He's supposed to be killed. He was killed, Rebbe Akiva. And Rebbe Akiva, partially of his crime, the Romans killed. Now I, they killed him because he taught Torah, but I'm sure they had on record that he was the one who supported the revolt. The Romans were 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 enraged at this at this. The Romans lost thousands upon thousands of their soldiers. By, by the revolt, by the Bar Kokhba revolt, as we know, it was, a, it was a, an immense battle. And it was almost successful. And that's why Tul Rome went and sent up the biggest legions to fight Bar Kokhba. And they destroyed him. And Rabbi Akiva, why? Because this is part of this phenomenon that Moshiach ben Yosef lays, his, lays himself on the line for, for, um, for Moshiach ben Dab. But here's the idea. Bar Kochba never made it to be Mashiach. Bar Kochba was somewhat beginning to show the signs of Becheskas Mashiach, what the Rambam refers to as Becheskas Mashiach. That's why the Rambam uses Bar Kochba as a symbol that Mashiach doesn't have to do miracles. He, because Rabbi Akiva followed Bar Kokhba even though he didn't, he wasn't a miracle. So Bar Kokhba didn't make it to the final end, but he was a Cheskas Mashiach to a certain degree. He wasn't the completed Cheskas Mashiach. What does Cheskas Mashiach do? He strengthens Judaism, which Bar Kokhba must have done. And in addition to that, he fights the battles against the enemies. And that's what Bar Kokhba did. So he did these two things. He, that's the primary element of what Mashiach needs to do. But as we're soon going to see, Moshiach ben Yosef, even Moshiach ben David, as I mentioned earlier, has a period, the Becheskas Moshiach period, when he is acting as Moshiach ben Yosef. Because one of the jobs of Moshiach ben David, the ultimate Moshiach, is to defeat evil and to defeat Amalek. But he doesn't have power to do that through Davidic powers. He has the power to do that through Yosef's power. So when the Arizal says that we should pray that Mashiach ben Yosef shouldn't die, what it really could mean and, and very possibly means is that the, the person who is Becheskas Mashiach, which means the person who is the presumed Mashiach and has done all the things that make, that prepare the world for Mashiach, shouldn't, should make it all the way into the Mashiach Vadai stage in which the Mashiach ben David elements reveal themselves in him and then he takes it home to the past the finish line. That's the prayer. That's the tefillah. So that means that it shouldn't be chas v'shalom a miscarriage. Where you have the Mashiach ben Yosef, cheskas Mashiach element. So Bar Kochva's power was not his own power in a sense. It was coming from Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was the spiritual energy that was energizing Bar Kochva during the time of Bar Kochva. He never made it to the time when Mashiach ben Yosef, when Mashiach ben David is riding on their own engine, on his own engine, when he is energized by his own power. Now, what's that power? That's the most important part of today, which I really want to talk about, is what really is the difference between Yosef and Yehuda. To this, I want to bring you to a passage of the Shalah HaKadosh. I mentioned to you earlier the Shalah. A, a little nikuda, a little point of the shalah, and then later further developed by the Tzemach Tzedek, the Alter Rebbe, and the Mittler Rebbe primarily. And that will give us the three powerful Chabad Rebbeim 
they will give us a real clear understanding of the, the differences, the dynamics between these two energies, Yosef and Yehud. And then we'll understand, you know, how, you know, you know the, the, the actualization of all of this in our days, in our time. So we begin over here. The 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 um, the the Shalach Kaddish. This is in Parshas Vayeshev, Sefer Shnei Luchay Sabris, in the in a portion called Sain Yosef. It's a portion called Torah Shabiksav, called Sain Yosef, and it is hold it over here. He explains basically on page over here. It's in my in my Shalach. It's on page Kuf Samach Beis. Volume number four. This is a five-volume set of the Shalah Kaddish writing. He says, So he gives a long explanation over here that there's the main tikkun that needs to happen. Let me let me review what he says. I'm, I'm not going to read it inside. I'm just maybe going to record a few words. He explains that obviously that 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 at the onset of creation, God created the human being to reflect and be the channel through which Hashem Himself manifests in this world through the human. The ultimate human is going to be the full vessel and the container for God's truth and God's kingship to reveal himself through this human being. And that's the ultimate Adam. Why is Adam called Adam? Adam, according to one, one interpretation, is that he's earth. He's made out of earth. The other interpretation is that he's called Adam because he's Adam Mele Elyon. He is uh, compared to the one above. Which really means is that Hashem Almighty manifests through his Nisham, through him, in this world. So when Mashiach, that will not be until man reaches the ultimate purification of his ego. And the man purifies himself completely from any trace of, of unholiness and, imp and impurity, which is going to take the, 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 the work of the collective work of all of humanity throughout all the generations. From Adam until Mashiach. And that's why we spoke many times that Adam, which represents the man that resembles God, stands for Adam David Mashiach. The Aleph is the Rosh Tevis Adam, that's Adam. The, the Dalit is David David, that's in the middle of time. And finally, at the final uh, culmination of everything is the Mem of Adam, and that is who? That is Mashiach. So we have Adam, David, Mashiach. It all flows into Mashiach Tzedkeim. Okay? That means that man does, it doesn't reach that level of being called man, the, the Hebrew word for man, until Mashiach. Why not? Because Adam messed up. Remember I said earlier that Adam is referred, is called Adam for another reason. Because he's like earth. He's, he comes from the earth. Is that, a, is that a derogatory thing? It's a little strange. Give him one name, which means both earth and also ref, compared to God. You see, the moment you say compared to God, you're already treading on, you're on a very dangerous path. Because that's the most dangerous thing that someone thinks he's God, right? That's idolatry. The worst kind of evil is someone thinks they're God. Right? These were these were the biggest monsters in history who thought they were God. And we all know that holiness is humility, the opposite. 
So how can you have someone Adam Elion? The answer is when you are like earth and you have no ego whatsoever. Earth is represents the ultimate of, of, of humility, that you have no sense of earth doesn't rise, earth has nothing, it's just and everybody steps on it. When you have that complete nullification, like Avram Avinu said, I am dust and ashes of earth, like earth, where everything steps on, you have no, not even one tiny bit of self then you can become a conduit. It's not you. That's the whole point. Only the purest of human beings who has eradicated every bit of ego that there's nothing there. He can be so hollow and so clean that what? That, the, that God comes through him, not him. And that's what we were all created to be. But we will all catch up to that one day. But until we get to that stage, we're working on it. We all work together on that. Every time we overpower our own ego for God's will, we purify the collective human bit by bit by bit by bit. Eventually, we will arrive to the ultimate human that is Mashiach Tzedkenu. He will embody all of these efforts and he will be the most humblest of people. That's why he's called a poor man riding on a donkey. He's not coming in, uh, in uh, what's... Uh, and Elon Musk's, uh, um, what's the car? Uh, Tesla, he's not coming in a Ferrari. Uh, he's not even coming in a Rolls Royce or a limousine. He's riding on a donkey. The meaning of it, he doesn't need anything but a donkey. He doesn't think about it. You know, he has no cell. That's why it says in, in Hayom Yom, the Rebbe writes that Mashiach, he's the greatest of all people, yet he will study Torah with everybody. Even the most simplest of people. He'll sit down and teach, tell stories. At the highest of the high, and he can lower himself down to the lowest of the high. I told the story in Matzah Shabbos of Reb Tzvi, the holy son of the Belshantan. And I related on Matzah Shabbos or a princess of cards. Said about him that he, he attained a level of fear. He lived every moment of his life with the same level of fear like the Jews had at Sinai. He never, that means he never left Sinai. Imagine someone who never left Sinai. He, he's there the whole time. That's like the highest level of fear of God. Bittel b'metzias, you know, total nullification. And he knows everything that's in heaven. The whole, everything in heaven, he knows everything. Why doesn't he say? Why does he keep quiet? He has so much to share. So he says, because he thinks everybody else knows exactly what he knows. Because he has no clue who he is. He has no idea. To him, it's obvious. I mean, he has no sense of self at all. To him, every, he's sure that everybody else knows all of heaven as much as he it's like when you're not even aware that you're humble. It's not, it's it just, you just, you don't, you're just a complete, pure, transparent flow. That's what you are. That's Mashiach. The ultimate of that level of bit. That's why it's both Adam, earth, and at the same time, Adam and Leo. But the first human being who was supposed to do that followed a little bit his ego through Chava and they got involved with the snake. And that snake caused an impurity in all of creation and all human beings. And we're all struggling with this ego and state of separation since then. And we're bowed. And that's the snake. And it shows up primarily in Asav and in Amalek. Amalek is the epitome of that snake. It's the epitome of ego. It's the epitome of self-centeredness. It's the epitome of dismissal of God. Yaakov Avinu 
is the reincarnation of Adam. It's Adam coming here the second time. So in other words, when we're looking at a progress report, when is man finally, mankind, Adam, a little closer to being Adam is when Yaakov came around. That's why the sages say, Shufre the Yaakov came, Shufre the Adam. The Yaakov looked exactly like Adam Arisham. He was a carbon copy of it. That's why Yaakov was the most beautiful human being. And he looked like Adam. So, but it's not just enough to be pure himself. He has to purify the world. And primarily, he brings that the main klipa, the main tumma, the main impurity that came about was during 130 years that Adam was not with his wife and he sinned with certain immorality, certain types of sins, right? And that sin is what caused a lot of klipa. And that kind of klipa was primarily, so in order to fix humanity and purge man from all kinds of yetzahara, from evil inclination, you have to go to the headquarters of klipa and be tested by the worst test in, in, in morality. Matters of holiness. And who went down to Mitzrayim? That's why Yosef who is the primary son of Yaakov. You know why he's the primary son of Yaakov, even though he's not the oldest? The Shlach Kodesh mentions over here, because when Yaakov impregnated his wife, which was the first night of marriage, Leah became pregnant on the first time she was with Yaakov. Because um, Yaakov says to Ruvain this week in the Parsha, you're my first drop. Yaakov was such a tzaddik, he was 80 years old and he never had a omission. And this was his first time that he had, right? And he, and Ruvain, Ruvain who, who turns out to be, that's Ruvain. So Ruvain is like the purest of the pure. But Ruvain wasn't really what Yaakov was intending because Yaakov thought he was with Rachel, not with Leah. So since Yaakov was, was, his thought was for Rachel, who was he thinking about? He was thinking, yeah, you think Yaakov didn't know his children before they were born? Oh, like we find out who our children are after they're born. <laughs> but Yaakov knows his children before they're born. They're just inside of him. So, but he's channeling who? He's bringing Yosef out. Oops, wrong one. <laughs> it was, it was, it was Ruvain. That's why Ruvain is, is, is the one who wants to save Yosef. You see, there's a deep connection over there. Because they really, you know, the, the, in a sense, the same, almost the same neshama. Yeah, Reuven and Yosef, they're, they're deeply connected. But Yosef is like, the, is like the purest of the pure of Yaakov. Ela told us Yaakov Yosef. And that's why Yosef has to clean the world. Where does he go? He goes to Egypt. Egypt is called Ervasa Aretz, the immorality of the earth. And over there, he's tested with the biggest seductress that there ever was, the wife of Potiphar. She made it, she drove him insane for an entire year, and he won. He came out triumphantly. And in that, he basically broke the Klippus in such an incredible manner. And he, he basically advanced the human state millions of miles further towards the Messianic age. And that's why he prepares the, the path for the Jewish people to go down to Mitzrayim and continue this purification, receive the Torah, and we're on our forward watch, march to Mashiach. So he goes on to explain that this whole tikkun, this whole idea, this is all uh, the, to, to enable the Jewish people to cleanse and so forth. Um, okay, Yosef opens up the, the, the flow. Oh, but he says, here's an amazing thing. This is not, Yosef's job is not 
the messianic of Adam Elio. This is not the supernal man. This is to heal the broken or to cleanse a world that's not ready to prepare it for the revelation. That's his job. He is the cleanser. He is the purifier. He is the one who, who fights two things. He fights the klippas and he starts channeling holiness into the world. Yosef means to add. He adds holiness to the world bit by bit to season the world, to prepare the world for the ultimate revelation. But he says, After they went through the enslavement, the Jewish people came out. The Jewish people became the people called Adam. The Jewish people are called that high name, Adam. And God chose them as a people. Until they were successful to establish kingdom. But, Melech Be'emes, who David Malkenu. All the greatness of Yosef. I skipped a lot. He goes through how Yosef is the ultimate champion and purifier and all the work. But this is all the preparation. He's not Melech Be'emes. He's not the real king. Real king is Meshavit Yehuda. But without Yosef's introductory kingship in Egypt, we never would have gotten to Yehuda's kingdom. You needed Yosef to pave the way for Yehuda. We would never have become a people. We would never have become a people. And watch what the Shlach HaKadosh continues. And he says, And the same is also when it comes to the holiness of the temple. Besides Moshiach and the human face, that's going to be the ultimate revelation of God in this world through the human face, through the pure, the purified human egoless face of the human being. Where where does the Shekhinah rest in the base Amikdash, in the temple? In order to have a temple in Yehuda, David Amelech's King David's temple, King Solomon builds it, but it's in the territory of Yehuda by the by the king of Yehuda, because there needed to be first Mishkan Shiloh. We first had to add a Mishkan in Shiloh. Shiloh is in the territory of Yosef. Because again, Yosef acts as a... Yosef is Friday and Yehuda is Shabbos. You have to prepare everything. We know that we don't have anything on Shabbos if you don't prepare it on Friday. And it makes sense because Yosef we know is the sixth level. Yosef is Yosef. It's number six. On the sixth, you prepare for the seventh. So Yosef is that... Yosef is the tzinar, he's the flow of energy. He's, and what is he? The He's the concept of tzaddik. Who's tzaddik? According to the Zohar, according to Jewish mysticism, a tzaddik is someone who's very clean when it comes to matters of purity. Someone who's not doesn't follow his Yetzirah and matters of, of holiness. He is completely holy and doesn't, right? And that's Yosef. Shefa, and, 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 and since one's um, 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 element of Yesod, that's where that's that's the main transmission of energy of life. That's where you create life through the bris and so on and so forth. That's where you create life. So only someone who is the purest of that aspect can channel. That's the concept. Anybody that knows anything about Hasidic Rabbeim, when did Hasidim see a Rebbe as a Rebbe? Was they knew that this is an Ish Kaddish, this is a holy Jew. This is a Jew whose Yetzirah never gets up. And that's why people always wanted to be attached to the Tzaddik, because we know that we failed. 
the Yitzhahara does get the better of us. And we sometimes are not as careful with what we look at, with what we see, with our thoughts, and so on and so forth. And even sometimes worse than that. But Sadiqim, they are, they are connected. And there's no impurity. Tzadik Yesoid Oilan, that's Yosef. And that's the pillar. It does two things. It destroys Amalek, it destroys the Klippas, and it creates a channel of holiness to prepare the world. He say David, the throne of David, and then David comes. The Anyways, he goes to all things. Watch this. And then he and then he says. Uh, uh, then it broke again. He speaks about how the kingdom broke in half. That means Yosef split off from Yehuda. In other words, Yosef was only there to be a support to Yehuda. Two generations after King David made his malchus, the Yeruvah ben Avot went and splintered off, and, the, and that was a terrible pagam. And that's why that kingship led to a lot of sin and idolatry, because Yosef is not supposed to be independent. Yosef has to be subservient to Yehuda. And for whatever reason, so was God's will at that time. There was a breakage in the kingdom that Yosef went off. The lawyer took him and and in the time of the second temple, it was, wasn't fixed yet. It will not be fixed until the future. And watch this. And then, and then again, in Mashiach's days, the king from Yosef will precede the king from David. Because the beginning, Mashiach ben Yosef, first will come Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David. And afterwards, he will pave the way for Mashiach ben David. And then Beis Yosef will fix what they did when they broke the kingdom of David. Mashiach ben Yosef is not coming for himself. He's coming only for Mashiach ben David. Because he will sacrifice himself completely. And he will be willing to die for Mashiach ben David. And his blood will bring an atonement. In a manner, and then Mashiach ben David's kingdom is going to be eternal. Because then we're going to restore the human being finally to Adam, Adam, David, Mashiach. God will come completely through Mashiach. And that's why Mashiach will then have eternal life because he's not living on his own battery. You see, since the beginning of time, we only have little pieces of life because we're all disconnected. You know, an easy way to understand it is the difference between when you plug into a power source or you go remotely and you use battery pads. Battery power, because it's separate from the source, it's charged. It works for a while. We all know one of the most things that drives us crazy all the time, we're always panicked that our phone is dying from, you know, it's gonna, we have to recharge, recharge, recharge. But, you know, when you move away, you only have a limited amount of time. You see, since the sin of the tree of knowledge, we are living off batteries. No human being was completely plugged in. Moshiach ben, ben Shiach ben David, is going to be the, the ultimate replugging, plugging in and plugging all of us into the power source. And once you're plugged into the power source, it's forever. Life starts forever. And that's the deeper meaning that Mashiach ben David asks for life after Mashiach ben Yosef dies. Because, and he's asking for a different kind of life. He's asking for eternal life. 
He's basically asking, he says, the time has come for us. Yosef's job is over. Limited energy, as long as the world is in a general state of disconnect. And in the disconnected world, we are bringing godly lights in. But the world itself is not yet perfectly godly. So it's almost like we're importing holiness from the outside. That's the idea of Yosef, Lohosef, to add, bringing heavenly, bringing spirituality into this world to infuse, to inspire, to enlighten. But it's not organic to the world. It's not the godliness of the world itself. It's from the outside kind of bringing it in. That kind of energy is limited. That's why it actually says, watch this amazing idea, that David, King David himself, doesn't have any life. It says it about David that he's called a bar nafli. He's called a nephel. Nephel means a, 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 a baby uh, that can't live. And Moshiach is also called bar nafli, the one who falls. They don't have life. Where do they receive life? So according to the Gemara, the life to Mashiach, to, to, to David comes from uh, Adam Arishon. According to the Zohar, Mashiach's life is a combination. Five years from Avram, Avinu, um, 28 years from Yaakov, 37 from Yosef. So the main life of David is from Yosef. But then, but that's that's regarding that's regarding um, David Amelach. Moshiach, it says, doesn't need to have any life. But he's he asks God for life, as we spoke earlier. And Hashem says to him, I'm gonna give you life, but I'm and then the Hasidus it explains that Mashiach is receiving his life not from the the from the Tzemach Tzedek, mitzvah's minoy melech, the mitzvah of appointing a king. He says that when Mashiach asks for life, he says, I'm asking from you, God, not from any of the channels, not from Yosef, not from this one, not from that one. I want life from you yourself. And God says, I have given it to you. And that's why Mashiach will live with eternal life. However, that does not happen immediately in Mashiach. Mashiach ben David first plugs in through the Yosef channel. After Yosef passes away, that means the Yosef inside of him ends. When does the Yosef inside Mashiach ends? When we finish fixing the world, when we finish elevating all the sparks, when we finish fighting the Amalek, when we finish eradicating the evil, that's when the Yosef doesn't have a job anymore. That's when the Yosef ends, and that's when Mashiach needs life. So he asks God for life, and that's when he starts getting Chayim Mitzchim, eternal life. So we'll see that that actually is true about David HaMelech himself. Remember I said to you just before, 37 years he got from Yosef, seven, and then five years he got from Avram and 28 from Yaakov. So in Lekutei Levi Yitzchak, which is the Lubavitcher Rebbe's father, super Makubal, he says, watch this. It's not far to say, we can say this uh, as a possibility, <laughs> that the 37 first years of King David's life 
were the ones that he got from Yosef. In other words, let's see which years is, you know, <laughs> David has a couple of downloads of life. And, and he clicks. Okay, now I'm living. He's basically not living his own life. He's living the life of other tzaddikim. They're sharing their life with him. So is it just one mongol jumble? Or do, do we divide these years that, okay, you know, you know, you know what it is? I'll, I'll share with you something really fascinating. You know, there were times when there were tzaddikim who were supposed to die. And there were people who offered life to the tzaddik and said, you know what? Um, I'm giving away some years. The famous story of the Alter Rebbe's daughter, she gave the Voralea, she gave her life for her father. Her father lived longer and she died. When the Rebbe had his heart attack, the were Chassidim, who then got together and made a base in, and they said they're giving life. And all and three of them, I know one of them even, Rabbi Mun, the old Rebbe Munitz, was one. there were a couple of people who took upon themselves to give life and all three died that year. Like, like scary things. You could... You could donate life, obviously, when you're doing it for a and donate and willing to subtract. That means that the person is living your life. It's very, very, very it's powerful stuff. It's frightening, but there is such a thing. So we see, uh, you know, Avram gave life and they lived less. So now the question is, which years were the years of Avram? So the Rebbe's father says, it makes sense to say that you, that that David's David's first years, his first thirty-seven years were the life that he lived from Yosef. Why? And then afterwards, the other 30 years was, which other, not 30 years, other 33 years, the rest of his life, were the five from Abram and 20 and 30 and, and 28 from Yaakov. Why? So first he says, simple. David is Malchus, Okay. What's right on top of Malchus from the Sphirot? Which is the Sphirot right? Yisot. Yisot is right. That's Yosef. So Malchus is the closest to Yosef. So from Yosef, he receives first. And then later, he goes up higher to receive from the higher attributes. Yaakov, Avram. That's a simple thing. But then he adds more. That's why you see. Wait. Then he adds. Watch. This. That's why you see. This is a phenomenal idea. That's why you see. That's why we see. That the first 37 years of King David's life, King David HaMelech's life, um, David HaMelech wasn't king in Jerusalem. For the first 30 years, he wasn't even king. And then he became king. For seven years, he was king in Hebron. So how many years do you have for him until he becomes king in Yerushalayim and he becomes the king over the Jewish people. Until the real Malchus Beis David started, 37 years. Why? Because the first 37 years are within David, Mashiach Ben Yosef, in Mashiach Ben David. This is awesome. What did we say? That Mashiach Ben David himself has two periods. Mashiach Ben Yosef first and then Mashiach Ben David. So let's look at King David. David HaMelech himself lived Yosef's life first. So that's why he wasn't king in Jerusalem. And he wasn't, first he wasn't a king, and then when he finally becomes a king, it's not in Yerushalayim. When does he, when he starts living higher life from Avram and Yaakov, then he becomes Melech in Yerushalayim for 33 years. So just like it is by David HaMelech, that David has an upgrade after 37 years of his life. He has an upgrade and he starts receiving higher life 
From where? From Yaakov and Avram, which are higher than Yosef. Moshiach Tzedkenu also has an upgrade. First, he, his life force is coming from Yosef. And after he finishes his life from Yosef, he's upgraded. But he's not upgraded to Avram and Yaakov's life. He's upgraded to the Or Ein Sof, to the infinite one, and draws down infinite life. He plugs in completely and reveals the infinite life flow. And he brings us all into that state of attachment. Remember that amazing idea. Because we're soon going to find where those 37 years are to be found in our days today. Where those first 37 years are. But we're going to get to that in a few minutes. So this is the Shlach So we have a clear, a clear, now I have, I have two options. I can cut the shear now and we can finish part three next week. Or we can still go for about 25 minutes and try to wrap things up today. I know everybody's tired. I'd rather do that because I want to finish over here. I don't want to leave this in the middle. But there's no way I can finish it another for another 25 minutes. So if you'll bear with me, I can finish, kind of, at least get it. Uh, what's the vote? What's the vote? Should we continue another few minutes? Okay, let's do that. The girls are okay? You're okay? You sure? Okay. Okay. So we come to the Mittler Rebbe, the second Chabad Rebbe. Sefer Torah, Chayim, Parshas Vayechi this week. In Perek Yud, in the, there's a mimer called Ben Poires Yosef, the blessings of Yosef. He's talking amazingly, Kabbalistically, the whole energy of Yosef. And then he says, I'm going to read for you inside. He's going to say the same idea of the Shalah HaKadosh, but in more Hasidic terminology. All of this is only in the time of exile. Yosef is very high, very high level. Yosef is the one who gives power to Malchus. Yosef gives Malchus are the Jewish people. Yosef gives the power to the Malchut. He is the one who gives us the sustaining power. He gives us a survival ability to survive the exile. Whoever learned Thursday night, we learned an amazing mimer of the Tzemach Tzedek who explains that literally Yosef packed the picnic basket for all of us. Lunch, spiritual nutrition to take along on the long journey of exile. That's why Yalakit Yosef is called Kesef. Yosef gathered all the silver. All the silver is all the energies of divine energies that are going to sustain and keep us alive during the long dry run of exile. That's why he gathered the silver. And this is what's sustaining us throughout the entire exile. The Tzemach Tzedek says such beautiful words. One of the main things that kept us alive throughout the Golas is our Ramudna in Mashiach, our belief in Mashiach. He says, Yosef HaTzadik is the one who keeps the Amunna in Mashiach alive by the Jewish people. And he says there's the Yosef energy that channels through all the generations. That's the tzaddik. The great tzaddik in every generation are the great tzaddikim, the great righteous people, saintly people. They feed the Jewish people emuna. They strengthen their faith and they keep them alive during the exile. He says it doesn't make any sense that people believe in Mashiach after everything we've been through. After so many, many times our hopes were dashed. After so many times we believed and hoped and waited and we thought it was happening, it didn't happen, and yet we believe. How is it possible? He says it's not, it's a godly phenomenon. 
It's a divine light that's shining in our soul. It's an absolute truth that is illuminating within us and which we can't deny. And it's coming through this channel of Yosef light that's literally feeding us Emunah and Mashiach. It also gives us the ability to extract the sparks of holiness. It also gives us the ability to withstand the tests, just like Yosef withstood the tests of exile. All these three things. Because Yosef is the, remember we spoke uh, Thursday night, he's the eighth king. And he's the power of Tikkun, and that's the power to fix Once we rise to Mashiach, then Yosef steps to the back, to the back seat. He's no more in the driver's seat because Yaskil Avdi, the power of Mashiach will rise above. What does that mean? Malchus, which is Mashiach. The energy, the feminine energy, the feminine equality of Malchus will rise above the masculine channels of godly light into this world. Yosef is this channel of masculinity, of godly energy flowing from above, from the spiritual worlds to the physical worlds. And what is Mashiach? Mashiach is a feminine soul. Even though halachically, I know a lot of people get excited on YouTube about this, I want to say. Even though halachically we can't change halacha, Mashiach is a man, not a woman. Um, so is the halacha. But the, he represents a feminine energy. And let me explain what it means. Not, um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot to talk about this and not right now. I just want to say one nikuda, one point. The concept in Kabbalah of masculine energy is light and inspiration coming from above the world into the world. It's being fed from heaven to earth. That's called masculine energy. Feminine energy is unlocking the godly potential that's within the world itself. That's the key you need to remember. That's all you need to know, at least for this idea. Feminine energy means to unlock, to reveal what's already here, to uncover the truth of the physical. The physical is always downgraded. The physical is always looked down upon. The physical is always seen as the greatest distraction. The material is always the lowly thing that is the most disconnecting from God. Moshiach's job is to elevate the physical, to reveal to us how holy and godly it is that we experience God in our, in our bodies, through our bodies, from the body, more than our neshama and our soul can ever tell us about God. The physical will inform us about God deeper and truer than the spiritual. That's feminine energy. It's light coming from below. It's not coming from above. So until Mashiach comes, all the tzaddikim, all the righteous people, they're all doing Yosef's work. They're all flowing energy from above. It's sabik It's drawing energy down from heaven to earth. Yosef to add. Yehuda is submission. It's the power of earth itself. Earth itself. Unlocking earth. And he says, that is deeper than all the lights. It goes up into the essence of the Orange. Yehuda, earth, um, the, is really rooted in God much higher than all the illuminations that we've always had. It's, that's all coming from the external element of God's crown. This is the essence of God's crown, the secret of the physical, the material. Higher than Yosef Hamashpia. Anyways, he brings the pasuk, the Tama Dover. He says that's the, the name of Ma of Tikkun, and then, and then he brings over here how Mashiach's kingdom is going to be greater than Yosef's kingdom. How Mashiach and Yosef are both kings, and he brings Mashiach ben Yosef, and he says an interesting thing. 
His words over here, That's why it says by Mashiach that I have given him life. What kind of life? This idea that I said before that only Mashiach ben David is the one who has eternal life. He has eternal life of the Ain'sof. God will rule forever. Now it's interesting. Awesome, awesome. You know, the Gemara says the difference between Shaul and, and David. Why did Shaul Amelech's kingdom not last? The Bnei Yisachar says this. I'm going to share with you a little thought. Every week we're doing a little Bnei Yisachar. So the Bnei Yisachar says us an, an amazing thing. The Gemara says that why did um, um, King Saul's kingdom uh, expire and not last forever? So the Gemara says because he was anointed with a jug. Pach. There was a pach. That Shmuel and Avi Samuel, when, when he anointed him, he anointed him with a jar, an earthen jar. Oh, but uh, King David, he was anointed with a keren, with a horn. He used a different type of a vessel, a horn, and that's, a, and that's why it lasts forever. So the Bnei Yisachar says, what's the connection? He says, pach, peiches, pe, pe, not pe, peiches, pe, uh, peichof, is 100. Pei is 80, chof is 20, it's 100. 100 is the gematria of the word yimloch. Yimloch means is Yimloch means which shall be king. Yud and mem. Yud is 10, mem is 40, is 50. Lamed and chaf is 20 and, 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 and 30. Is another 50. 50 and 50 is 100. Yimloch is 100. So pach is 100. So that's why Sholem Elif had to be king. But Karen, Karen is gematria 350. Karen, Kufresh Nun. That's the gematria of Yimloch Olam Vaed. <laughs> Pach is Yimloch, but Yimloch li'olam vayet, to be a king forever, that's Karen. That's why we say about when we daven Shmona, you'll have extra kavana when we say about Mashiach. And every day in, in davening, we say, Vikarno Torum, and his horn you should lift up, his crown you should raise up. Karen, that's eternal kingdom. Karno Torum B'Kavoy. So that the Mitla Rebbe says that over here, he doesn't use the gematria. He says that only Mashiach, only Mashiach ben, Yoy, ben David is going to have eternal life. For Indian David Melech Yisrael Chai V'Kayim, David lives forever. Avo Mashiach ben Yosef ein Nitzchi. Mashiach ben Yosef is not eternal. Secret is that Mashiach ben Yosef is the work of purifying existence. Mashiach ben David is unlocking the intrinsic goodness that has always been here, but bringing it all to the surface and revealing it. That's the, and that comes from going much deeper and revealing God's essence. And only Mashiach ben David can do that. Now, this is the final part of the Shia. Fasten your seatbelts now. This is the idea. The Balshem Tov, the holy Balshem Tov, came to pave the way for Mashiach. This week, in the month of Tavis, is the yard site of Rabbi Yisrael of Velednik from the Chernobyl dynasty. Very big tzaddik, the holy Velednikar. People travel to him because he's known that he really takes care of those who come to his grave. 
He's a very big poil Yeshua's. Rabbi Yisrael Valadik, a very big tzaddik. He writes in a Sefer She'edis Yisrael, he writes that from the Baal Shem Tov onward began to sparkle the light of Mashiach in the world. Well, we know that Mashiach Tzadkenu, the Baal Shem Tov himself writes it in a letter that he went up. Baal Shem Tov wasn't telling us stories. He went up and he wasn't imagining things into the chamber of Mashiach and he said, Mashiach, when are you coming? And Mashiach Tzadkenu said, when your wellsprings will spread across the world. Um, the words of the of the Sefer She'edis Yisrael, he says, and it's not only the Baal it's all the great Hasidic masters who are here from the Baal Shem Tov and Orwell, have his galas HaMashiach Legamri, until we have the complete revelation of Mashiach, they're all the radiance of Mashiach already. The Hasidic Rabbeim knew this. The Rebbe Rashab, fifth Chabad Rebbe, writes these words. I'm quoting. In heaven, they called the Baal Shem Tov, Baal Shem Tov. Because one of the things Mashiach is going to have, he's going to wear the special crown called Keser Shem Tov. That's Mashiach's crown. The sages say there are three crowns. The crown of Torah, crown of Kahuna, crown of kingdom. And above them is Keser Shem Tov. That's Mashiach's crown. And the, and the Baal Shem Tov, Drew down, drew down that trap, that power. That's what the Rebbe Shab says. That's the Madrega of Mashiach. That's what the Rebbe Shab says in Sefer Memorim Tafresh Samach Gimel. Amad Reish Nun Beis. The Rebbe Shab in Sefer Torah Shalom, Fifth Chabad Rebbe in Sefer Torah Shalom says. The lamp of King David will never be extinguished. The light of the Baal Shem Tov, the mayor Tomid is continuously shining. The Hasidic movement will be until Mashiach. Why? Because King David lives forever. And what is the Hasidic movement? The reenactment or the resurgence of the Davidic kingdom in this world. He says explicitly, this was the Baal Shem Tov, the, the disciple of the Meshach Magid, the Mezrit Magid, the Harebi, he's referring to the Admar Azak and the Alter Rebbe, Reb Shneur Zalman of Liyadi, the Chain Hall and so his students, the Rebbe Rashab says this, because we are from the descendants of David, and this will continue all the way through to Mashiach. Okay? Now, a fascinating thing. Do you know that until the Baal Shem Tov, they didn't refer to anybody as an Adamor? Do you know that the word Adamor is a Hasidic usage of referring to a Rebbe? A Hasidic Rebbe is called an Adamor. What does an Adamor stand for? Adoneinu, our master. Moreinu, our teacher. Verabeinu, our, uh, our, our, no. Adoneinu, our, our master. Moreno, our Verabeno. Moreno, Verabeno, two words for teacher, uh, so forth. That's Adamor. Now, you have before that, we refer to great Sadiqim as what? Rabbi, Rabbeinu, Moreno, all these things, but not Adamor. The one part that was missing was Adonenu. 
No one really said Adoneinu. It was, but then a Hasidic Rebbe is called an Adonai. Obviously, you can say, oh, someone decided. Nothing is just someone decided. The Tosefta, this is the Mishnah. The Mishnah in Mesechta Sanhedrin, Perek Dal. It's not Mishnah, Mishnah. It's the Brysa in the back of Mesechta Sanhedrin. When he speaks about the king from the house of David, the Gemara, the, the Mishnah says, the Koiran Oisai. How do we refer to the king from King David, from the Davidic kingdom? Adoneinu verabenu. That's how you refer to a king from Beis David. Adoneinu. Shenemar aval Adoneinu amelech David him Because you see that Batsheva says to uh, uh, David, aval Adoneinu, but our master David crowned Shlomo. So she uses the word Adoneinu. So the word Adon is used only for the Davidic masters. Hasidic Rabbeah was the pre-infusion of messianic light to the world. And that's why the Jewish people came alive with Hasidus. And that's why anywhere in the world you'll find energy, life, singing, dancing, joy, uh, growth. It's all, it's all Hasidic. It's all Hasidic, Hasidic energy. It's all this power. It's incredible. Now, so that's from the Bolshev. Now, during this period of time, we went through the most difficult time of exile in the last 250 years. God had to send down, you know, in baseball or in any other sport, when it comes to the last and final inning, you take out your cream of the crop, the best, the closer. So pitchers, you take a closer, right? Someone who knows how to pitch like crazy. No one else does. I'm not a big sports fan, but so much I know. You bring out your like best picture for the last inning. So for the last 200 years to make it to the end, we needed the super souls, messianic energy, incredible nishans. One of the greatest wars to ever be fought was in the darkest period of Jewish history, which was during the rise of communism and followed by the Holocaust. And if we would not have the greatest tzaddikim in the world during that time, the Jewish people would have been crushed, God forbid, and defeated. So a tzaddik is born and his name is Yosef Yitzchak, named after, ultimately, Yosef Atzadik. He's perfectly fits perfectly into the whole lineage of Chabad Rabbeim because he's number six and he's Yosef because Yosef is known as the sixth midah of Yosef. If you read anything about him and you follow his life, you see he lived the life of Yosef Atzad. He fought the Klippa like no one else did. He was imprisoned. He fought the, the, the communist regime single-handedly. He took his Hasidim and they went out in an all-out war to die. You know, for a Rebbe to... I want to explain something. No one in the world will ever be able to explain the love that there is between a Rebbe and a Chassid. It's a boundless love. It's a godly love. For a Rebbe to take young men and send them to, to send them out to towns and villages and to secret places to teach Torah, knowing that they will be arrested and they will be sent to Siberia if they make it to Siberia. Many of them will just end up in a Russian, uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a deep, in a, in a jail taken out, no one will ever hear from them again as they will shoot them in, the, in, a, in a firing squad. You know how many see them that happen to? 
For a rabbit to send his boys out, one after another, being shot and killed, and send others to replace them, and others to replace them, because he knew he's taking, he's fighting the beast, the ultimate atheist, the force that wanted to deny God completely, and that was communism. And he fought it to the very end, and he prevailed. He himself, they almost killed him. He came so close to dying. They had already issued a verdict that he would be killed. After he left Russia, and the fight continued, and he took down Soviet, because after communism collapsed in 1990, it took a while, but he really destroyed it. His energy, his power continued on through the Lubavitcher. And that physically broken human being, he comes to the United States of America after the, during the Holocaust. During the Holocaust, when the Jewish people are bleeding like we've never bled before, broken and shattered and tattered, when no one is interested in any religion, religion and observance, he stands up like a mighty lion and he establishes Chabad in America and he says and he declares that America is no different and we're going to build Torah across the entire United States. And he sets up the con this concept of Chabad network of Shluchim. Shluchim means people that go out to resurrect Judaism across the globe. He laid the seeds. Whatever, and he started this incredible messianic fervor in Chabad. You want to know who started messianic fervor in Chabad? Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, the sixth Chabad Rebbe. He made powerful announcements. Mashiach is coming. He said, you got to get ready. You got to get ready. And everybody in the street would laugh. People made fun and people were saying the Lubavitcher Rebbe thinks he's Mashiach. He's declaring himself Mashiach. That's what people were saying. On the sixth Chabad Rebbe, the Rebbe didn't flinch. He continued doing his holy work, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. He's both the sixth in the Chabad lineage, but he's the eighth from the Balshemtov. What did we say before? Yosef is the power of the king of number eight. For this, I didn't discuss a lot today. We listened to my Thursday night class. We discussed the power of eight. To the Yosef's whole power was the eighth king. The previous Rebbe did all of this. You know when the previous Rebbe announced, the first time he announced that the Alta Lechuva, the Alta Legiul, and he made a major, he called it a Kol Kaira. He sent it out to all the Jewish people with a major announcement. Get ready for Mashiach. Mashiach is around the corner. He's coming now. You know when he did it? Um, once his son-in-law, our Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, was ready to depart from France and come to America. He already got his tickets and they managed to, to, to do whatever it took. When the Rebbe was leaving and getting on a boat, the previous Rebbe announces the first time, Chevra, the entire world should know, and he said these words, Mashiach is standing, he's behind the wall, he's, he's almost arriving. Hever, get ready. And then in a talk that he gives, I think a few days before the Rebbe arrives, two weeks, he says, when a special guest is coming, you clean the house, you get ready because a huge guest is coming. So he says, when we need to all clean and get ready because Mashiach Tzatkenu is coming. This is the, he doesn't mention anything about his son-in-law, but he says, Mashiach is coming and we have to get ready. And when a special guest comes, you prepare and you clean and you purify and so on and so forth. It's amazing. It happens, right? Coincides at that time. Then the previous Rebbe 
The Rebbe marries his daughter, we know, still in Europe. He, he was in America for 10 years, laid the foundation for Judaism in, in the United States. He passes away, and on Yud Shvat, 71 years ago, his son-in-law takes over, Rabbi Menachem. Rabbi Menachem Mendel, the, the, our Rebbe, we know what he does. He builds Judaism across the entire world, like no other person before him. Spreads God's name and is a leader to young and old, to, to secular, to religious, to Jew, to non-Jew. Everybody consults with him. Every And, and he's on top. It's, it's, it's indescribable. And he never takes a rest for one day. Obviously, I'm not going to go into a, a, whole, uh, a whole story on the Rebbe. You can read about him endlessly. But that's not the point I want to make. One of the most astounding things about the Rebbe is that the Rebbe never left his father-in-law, even after his father-in-law passed away. Meaning to say, the Rebbe, entire leadership, refers to his father-in-law as the Rebbe, not himself. Entire leadership. The Rebbe is the only Rebbe who, after his father-in-law passed away, the previous Rebbe, still, anytime you come asking for a blessing, he doesn't give the blessing on his own. He goes to his father-in-law. He runs to his father-in-law. He runs there. He runs. He run, he's never on his own. And, and to him, everything is Yosef. Everything is father-in-law. And when you ask him for a bracha, he says, ask your Allah tzion. So I, I once taught this. Tzion is Gematria Yosef. He's always going to Yosef. Is the same numeric ladder, he goes to Yosef. He communicates with his father-in-law. It's clear, there's so many stories. He literally, every time he goes, he comes back and, and sometimes he was open about it. He says, I heard from my father-in-law. I'm going to go to the Tzion. Like, he communicated with his father-in-law's soul. They had a, a channel from that. He had, and all the, and the Rebbe like, prophet. The Rebbe said to his father-in-law was a prophet. And he's receiving channels. He's receiving, leading, guiding the entire Jewish world through his connection to his father. But what was the Rebbe's connection to his father-in-law? How did the Rebbe link up to his father-in-law? Through his wife. He was, the he was married to the daughter. And then an amazing thing happened. His wife passes away. Amazing thing. Sad. Terrible thing. His wife passes away. He's the only, the only, the Rebbe didn't have any children. And this is like his only confidence, close personal relative. She passes away in 1988. 37 years after the Rebbe becomes a Rebbe. What did we say earlier about 37 years? How David Amelech lived 37 years. But he's not living his life. He's living Yosef's life. And what does the Rebbe do during this time? He keeps on repeating one thing. My father-in-law said that we finished elevating all the sparks, but there are still buttons that need to be polished. There's still something, and that's what we're doing now. We're finishing the last remnants. In 1988, when the Rebbetson passes away, the Rebbe starts to hint to new things. From that time, the Rebbe changes entire conduct, and he starts talking about eternal life. A month after his wife passes away, he says that Moshiach needs life. That's what he says in a talk, famous talk. He says that we're now 68 years after my father-in-law became Rebbe. So it's 68 is Gematria Chaim. So now the leadership needs new life. So now we need to add life to the king by everybody declaring, long live the king. And that's where the whole Yechim movement in Lubavitch that people sometimes are so uncomfortable with because of a lack of total lack of knowledge. The Rebbe then said, we have to give life to the king. We have to draw life to the Melech. That's exactly what it says, that when Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David sees Mashiach ben Yosef pass away, meaning there's a certain disconnect. He calls for life, because now he means eternal life. The Rebbe then also initiates birthdays. 
Because the whole idea of birth is the birthing. The main birth is the birthing of Mashiach ben David in this world. And to just wrap this up and conclude this, is really, really phenomenal. In this talk, now by the way, the fact that the previous Rebbe is Yosef, is Yosef, the previous Rebbe in a talk over here, Sefer Asichas, the Friedrich Rebbe says it about himself. <laughs> Give me a few more minutes, please. I'm sorry. He says, the order of the way Sphiris give deliver their life is all through Yesod. Science Sphiris can say the Rishtal Shalos, whether it's the Sphiris up there. In science, even when you bring down energies that are higher than Rishtal Shalos, the higher infinite light, everything has to go through Yesod. It's out to the Sphiris of Yesod, and thus is Bechdei, as a lot of coming in Sphiris of in order for the energy to come out in Malchus, which is Mashiach, which is this world, it has to go through your side. In the sweetest Lamat and the Bizarre Okay, so by different Fabrengans, we spoke that the Balshemta and the Magid, they are Keser. They're the Keter. That's, that's who they are. They personified the divine elements of Keter. In Keser, there's two levels, Atik and Arich. Atik is the higher and Arich is the lower. So the Balshemtov is the Atik and the Magid is Arich. The Alter Rebbe, he says, my great-grandfather, the Alter Rebbe, he is Chachma, he's wisdom. The Middle Rebbe is Bina. The Tzemach Tzedek is Das. Okay, now watch this. Imagine a Rebbe. Das This I heard publicly. Be quietly between me and my father. I mean, individually, my father told me more. <laughs> so the Friedrich Rebbe is saying, from my father, I also heard quietly Netzach and Hoid. So who, who is his father telling him is Netzach and Hoid after the Tzemach Tzedek? There's only two other Rebbes. Meaning, the, the, the Rebbe Rashab told him that, that his father, the Rebbe Marash, is Netzach. And he, the Rebbe Rashab, is the fifth Rebbe, is Chod. Invite him. And then the Friedrich Rebbe stops and he says, Zoga Nigen, say a Nigen. So who's the Friedrich Rebbe? He's Yesuit. On the next page, he continues. The best land, the most fertile land, the Gemara says, is the land of Joseph. Yosef. He's telling the Hasidim, you should know my land, and you are my Hasidim, this is the best land. Chasidim bechlau t'mimim befrat chasidim t'mimim helped ba'arbet in the eretz meleya koltov help work help work help till the land of Yosef fin artzishal Yosef in that eretz is da'alf in my land he's not saying mine he's saying he's just talking about Yosef suddenly in Yosef's land is everything as men ba'arbet zich nefin finichadois you'll be able to take out everything and the eretz ba'arbet on gitziadois the meleya it will give everything he's telling the chasidim. Work the land of Yosef. I'm the Rebbe Yosef. I'm giving you the work now. You have everything you can do. Take a look. How Judaism exploded the entire world through the land of Yosef. So the Friedrich Rebbe said about himself, he's Yosef. The Rebbe is Malchus. So I conclude with the final statement. There is a book from the student of the Ramban called Shushan Soidais. Sefer Shushan Soidais. It's an early Kabbalistic book because it's a student of Nachmanides, okay, in the 12th century. 
I Googled it and I found it. I didn't, I saw it in this book, but then I Googled it. I found the page. He says, Kabbalah, it's a Kabbalah in our hands. That Mashiach's name is Menachem. That we know all over. The Gemara, Medjah, Menachem, Shema. But he says, you know what Menachem is? Menachem, he says, is Gematria Tzemach. Menachem is Gematria Tzemach. Tzemach means a plant. And that is the energy of Yosef. Yosef is a plant. Yosef means to add. Yosef is a plant and Yehuda is stone. Inanimate and plant. And Yosef's uh, temple in, Mish in Shiloh was made out of, made out of wood. The Mishkan, explained in Hasidus. Tzem, again, the name Menachem is the same gematria as Tzemach, which is plant. So what am I getting at? Menachem is the, Yos the Mashiach ben Yosef that's in the Mashiach. That's why it's called Menachem. And he, he, the Rebbe's father explains that the reason Menachem is called Menachem, it's because Yesod comforts Malchus. Malchus needs comfort. Malchus is, is in exile. Malchus is the mother of the Jewish souls. Rachel Imenu, Rachel, our mother, there's a Shekhinah. She needs comfort. Who comforts her? Her husband. Who's her husband? Yosef. That's why Yosef is called Menachem, which is Tzemach. And Mashiach's name, Mashiach ben David's name is Menachem. Why? Because Mashiach ben David has Yosef inside of him. In other words, what I am saying is, if, I, if you're not getting what I'm saying, what I am saying is, the previous Rebbe is Yosef, but not he's Mashiach ben Yosef. The Lubavitch Rebbe is Mashiach ben Yosef. The Menachem in him. The, 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 the 37 years where the Rebbe is still energized by his father-in-law. And, and, and riding his father-in-law's energy and his father-in-law's energy, that is the Mashiach ben Yosef energy. Then the, the same Sefer, Shushan Sodo, says, I wish I could read it to you, but I'm too late, says that, it's a shame, right? He says the other name, what's associated with, is that it unifies with Tzedek, which Tzedek is Malchus. Because it says in Pasach Eliyo that Malchus is called Tzedek. So Menachem is Yesod going into Malchus. Yesod energizing Malchus. And what's Tzedek? Tzedek is Malchus itself. Tzedek is the exact gematria of Mendel. That's the reason why the Tzemach Tzedek's book is called Tzemach Tzedek because it's the same gematria as his two names, Menachem, Mendel. So in, in Sefer... Shushan Seides, a sefer written 900 years ago, 900 years ago at least. Tell you, I, I, let me just read this because it's too good. He uses these terms. This is this. These are big stuff. Why am I talking about this? I said earlier. I, I think the time has come that we don't have to keep all these secrets under the table. We have a Akadoshim from our Holy Fathers. There will be two Mashiachs, Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. And the Tzemach is a Remez. That's the Tzadik Yisod Olam that is hinting to Yosef. Anyways, the tzedek is the name of okay. What I oh, so I'm going to conclude just with one little thing 
The Rebbe in his talk on the 22nd day of Shvat, the last time the Rebbe spoke to us on the day of his wife's passing, the Rebbe explains that there are three tkufis, three major eras in his father-in-law's leadership. One tkufa was, I think, until he came to America. The other tkufa was, no, one, one tkufa, the one period of the previous Rebbe's leadership is when the Friedrich Rebbe was alive himself. The second kufa, the second period era in the previous Rebbe's leadership, much higher than the one before, is when his father-in-law passed away and from 1951 when the Rebbe took over, means when he took over. And the Rebbe goes on to say that the third kufa in, in the previous Rebbe's leadership, which is the ultimate, is from Chavbei Shvat when the Bas Yechida, when the only daughter of the previous Rebbe passed away. And then, in other words, what does that mean? When I am saying it, that in Tavshin Memches is the time when the Rebbe started telling us we finished fixing the world. Now we have to start uncovering the godliness that's in this world already here. We don't have to reveal it. We don't have, we don't have to clean good and bad. We just have to reveal the intrinsic godliness that's within the world in that moment. That's the ultimate revelation of Mashiach Tzadki. This class is not about who is Mashiach. I believe that that's important to know as well. The class is about the appreciation, understanding that we trust what the Lubavitcher Rebbe told us, that our world is already completely in the messianic state. Now, you'll say, well, there's so much garbage and so much. Let's not focus on the garbage. Let's not focus on the darkness. Recognize and understand that me and you and all of us can already live a totally, completely godly existence. The physicality of this world is already a vessel to express God. The only things, the only times that, the only reason that sometimes it feels it's not that way is because in our own heads, we haven't switched the switch. And that's the idea that I'd like to just convey at the end of this class. We need to switch the switch in our own heads and start realizing how awesome. The Rebbe told us to us 30 years ago already. Another amazing fact, I'm just going to conclude the last fact. From 1990, the Rebbe started wearing, even during the weekday, Shabbos clothing the whole time. From 1990, um, the Rebbe wore what's called Big Day Meshi silk clothing. Very interesting. 1990 was 110 years from the Friediger Rebbe's birth. Yosef passed away when he was 110. So when you look at the end of 110 of Yosef and you transition to David, a major, a major leap in that transition happens in 1990. And that's when the internet information age came to the world. And that's when the communist regime fell. And that's when major things happen. We have to stay focused. Recognize the Geula is here. Shiach is here. Any minute we will see Mashiach, there's no question. We will see him with our eyes. The whole Geula will unfold. Uh, we need to be real Jews. We need to be real. And if for those that are not Jewish, you, you are part of it as well. Studying Torah, doing mitzvahs, acts of goodness and kindness and charity and goodness. And believing that we are, that all this stuff is just a confusion. It's the last bit of tricks that the illusions that the Klippa is throwing our way 
Evil is going to be disintegrate forever. We are going to experience Mashiach Tzadkeinu momentarily. Let's live it. Let's enjoy it. Let's celebrate it already today. Thank you.